Hey, this is Gerd's Handel, and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love, inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can shine your inner light. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Inner Light Project. My name is Gerds Hansel and today I have a special guest with me who is helping high-achieving women to find their spiritual self. Sally Lakshmi Thurley is a spiritual mentor and teacher and gives entrepreneurs the tools and guidance to find God from within and anchor themselves in grace and trust their highest potential. Sally, it's an absolute pleasure having you in the show and thank you for joining us in the space today. Thank you so much, Gerds. I'm so happy to be here. It's oh, wonderful. Bless you. I'm just so excited to have you in the show because I can just see how much you're making a shift for women and changing different mindsets and how we need to behave and how we need to be within spirituality. So I'd love for you to share what your life was like before you became a spiritual mentor and teacher. Yeah, well, I have, I'm back the front to everyone else. I kind of knew at an early age I was a mystical kid and, mm. uh, I was the kid that would jump on a bike to go to Sunday school. I was from a Christian family. I, um, yeah, I, I just, everything just felt quite okay and right. But I also, at 10, I had a spiritual awakening, a spontaneous awakening. And I was just walking down my street and it was, it was summer. And all of a sudden it was just, I had that moment where I paused. And in yoga we call it, we call it the headless moment when you actually look at a part of yourself and you realize you're not the body, that you're something a lot bigger than that. So, and then in that moment I, I had this big download uh, on thing, on karma on and on um, how language creates the universe, all this stuff. Wow. And I remember going, oh yeah, that's cool. What, what a cool experience. And I, I went to school the next day and I shared it. We have this called show and tell I think you probably have it over there as well and um everyone's going don't you talk like that this is the 70s in Australia right oh, and, wow. and terribly Christian they're going that's like don't don't talk like that and uh yeah I kind of put I kind of just kept it to myself but I went on this endless search from then on it was like I understood that was a level of divine wisdom mm. that I wanted more than I wanted air. It was like, what the hell? Where? How do I find someone who can explain what now I know? So at, at that age, I went on this journey and I found myself getting involved in everything from shamanism to I had to still at New Age to answer the questions, but um, well, even New Age couldn't answer them in a really succinct kind of deep way that I was craving for. And I, I went into Buddhism for a long time and uh, even Islam because I lived, I was an expat kid, so I lived in an Islamic country for a, a while. And nothing was satisfying the mystic in me and giving me that deep level of acknowledgement. And uh, so at 16, I was at boarding school, and I remember one day a Buddhist nun came to the school to do a talk. And I didn't get managed to see the talk, but I managed to chat to the woman later on after school. I was just hanging around and said, well, so what did you talk about? And she said, I talked about this thing called karma and how you choose your family and all that stuff. And I you could have just, I went, what the hell? You choose your family. It was, I was such, it was like the first time 
I'd actually heard it come out of someone's mouth rather than a book that really didn't explain everything. And and then in that moment, I was 16, I knew I was going to have a spiritual life. So it really started then. I knew I didn't want to do what the rest of the world was doing. Um, but at the same time, still, it was like, what is there for women? What is there for me? Where do I go? What do I do? And I've never been flaky, ever. So I want the answers to the universe and I want them now. And I don't want to have to go through whatever ridiculous things to get there. And then, you know, that's how the cosmos works. Eventually the teacher arrives and at 25 I found myself with an ashram. And this enlightened teacher had moved out from India and uh, he was doing his journey and he settled here and I happened to do his very first meditation course when they opened this ashram, which was literally up the road and there I stayed for 20 years. Wow. (laughs) Wow. 20 years. Yeah, studied, worked, lived next door, um, uh, raised my children in, in that environment and uh, it was three years ago that I had my coming out. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was now it was my turn. It was like, okay, you're, you're done. You've done your time. You've now got to take what my experience is to the world because it's not enough to know this stuff. It, it, at some stage it has to embody itself in you mm-hmm. and then, then you have the confidence because you have that knowledge that's embedded in you and, and then you can step forward. Wow. What a journey. <laughs> that is so amazing. It's so interesting that you're saying that because I feel like a lot of kids have that download. They usually choose to ignore it. And it's only till later down the life or they're having like a quarter life crisis or a midlife crisis is that's when they have that awakening. And it's just so powerful that you made that connection then. I think that's just amazing. Well, it was. It, it, I wasn't even on the earth at the time. It was one of those ones where I really wasn't even in the body, and the and it, and it was it was as it was like getting a, a a you know when you do a computer upgrade and you stick an entire new chip in there or something. This plugs. I felt like that had happened. So, and I remember in the moment because I was also from a very abusive childhood, which is why I was at boarding school and all these places. I, the home was unsafe for me um so I also know that it it got worse funnily enough life doesn't always get easier once you've had an awakening because you're terribly sensitive to the nuances of everybody and everything and dharma and harmony and flow and um I went through hell actually but I had Mm. this inner knowing that this is not the whole story there's something more and and with the understanding that language creates the universe and that was a great gift at that age because I knew how powerful I was with my word so I I understood how I could handle situations better and how I could be responsible for my energy at that age Mm -hmm. and that really did help a lot with what was to come. I almost feel it's really interesting that a lot of spiritual healers, workers, teachers, mentors, they all have to go through almost like a deep or dark transformation. And like it's usually something that's happening in their households or like people around them, they never felt like they fitted in. And it's almost like we're like being forced to like get out of our comfort zone. Oh God, yeah. I had a, because I go to India all the time. My ashram community, the the main place is India. And so I run retreats there now. And, and I was talking to a very dear friend who's a priest there. And he said it years ago beautifully because it's never-ending cycle. Like we, we get plummeted into things and the pressure can be horrendous. And mm-hmm. he said God's making a diamond. I know it sounds corny. Diamonds are created <laughs> under consistent pressure. 
it's not just you know the the one off every now and then it's like if you want to really shine be okay with the fact that you might have to experience consistent pressure and i am one of those first people it's like you know, hit after hit after cosmic hit, <laughs> and uh, it just—it's just—it's like being in a foundry, particularly when you do the level of being in an ashram, mm. um, because it, 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 there's grace, and and spirituality is only ever about grace and our ability to to open to her, and um, but she fries the shit out of your ego and your personality, so it's it is like being in the, in a blacksmith's fire and being beaten all the time until. <laughs> Finally, get rid of that bit, you know, and then you turn around and the next bit has to be beaten. So, mm. yeah. And then it's almost like you're roughened and then you're being, like, polished after. <laughs> right. And that's actually one of the things I say to people who are really suffering. I mean, I understand suffering and I know the way out of it really well, but, uh, you know, there are times the only way is to just be there, be with it and know that you're being polished, you're being buffed up. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, wow, wow. I'm just blown away by our conversation already. <laughs> um, yeah, it started. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, as it, you know, you went on this journey, you, you were led into the ashram. What was it, what happened for you next to kind of almost come out into the closet, out of the closet, I should say? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, first of all, about 15, so about 15 years ago, I started to realise that, I mean, in these, once I got to the ashram and the downloads really, they really started. And that's called a Kriya. So when you start doing sadhana, sadhana, which means, uh, you know, dedicated spiritual practice, like it's your life, um, then the energy or kundalini, that there's this kind of innate spiritual energy in us, this kundalini energy that, that starts to, to move. And when you have a big experience of the divine, that energy will, move through you it's like a purifying force and people have these spontaneous movements so some people might laugh some people might cry some might wriggle some might talk in tongues and then there's Megan in big chunks <laughs> like writing I have to sit there in meditation with bloody pens and, and a book <laughs> um, and then I realized as I sit there in these programs that I there was something in me that you know I went and I got I got what I went for but I started to listen to this man mm. who I love. You know, but he, he was a man giving manly advice. And um, I when and I started to notice that when people would ask him questions, I would know the answer. So that started to happen. It was like, oh, I can answer this. And then and then I had this because of my uh, abusive past. I had this terror of speaking up, outer terror. And then I went through this long journey of when I would speak up, I'd be shot down in flames or like it was really uh, learning to speak up, learning that I have a voice and learning that I am competent and capable through my voice has been one of my massive life things. And, and definitely part of, part of being a female in a system like that, well, in, in, if you want to look at real I, I love faith and I love the great traditions. They've gone screwy, um, but at their core, they're fa- they are fantastic. And and I'm I'm into enlightenment, no no gnosis, and I think that they're the way you get. They are still the best path. I, even though I didn't do religion, I did a philosophy. The ashram is really a philosophy of consciousness. Uh, but really, for women, there was no path. 
Like in the last hundred years, they've made women can take what's called sannyas, become a swami or you become a monk. They don't even actually take it that seriously. It's just like, oh, okay, these chicks are starting to kick up a fast wall. We'll let them take sannyas. Um, but even the, the, the whole thing of monkhood, I started to question. So, yes, it was something I could do, but not until my kids had grown up and left home. I was qualified. I was trained. I was in line for that. Um, and then the only two options was that or you become a nun or you become a wife. <laughs> That's the hardcore reality. That's the reality of it. There's, there's nothing. We're not recognized for anything else. And I thought, mm. a bugger if I'm becoming a nun. And <laughs> the thing is, with, the, with this philosophy, which is Kashmir Shaivism, it's tantric, which, no, that does not mean sex. Tantra means for the people, for everyone. It's equal. It's for all. So I was, I, you know, I was having these tantric experiences. I was in this wonderful system, which is inclusive, not exclusive. Mm-hmm. So I realized I got everything I need. I got everything I wanted spiritually, A, because I did the bloody work. And also I had this great teacher who could uh, impart Shakti part, it's called, or spiritual energy. But also because I chose to be a monk in the world and I realised that's what I was doing. It's like, okay, so I've got to hold the balance, hold myself. What is, where is the Dharma here? You know, what, where is consciousness in this moment? What is spirit calling through me and keeping my focus on the divine rather than on the world? So I was starting to see what Tantra really is all about is being inclusive in the world, whereas monkhood is exclusive. No, you know, you know, you're not meant to be with the opposite sex. There's no sex. You can't work. You can't own property. Like you, and because none of them do it properly, do they? Of course, no one's doing it anymore. <laughs> um, they're all in relationships and they're all taking money and they're all working on the side hustle. So I just thought that to me is dead. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. Um, and yeah, I had to had to find my place and that really could only happen when I when I stepped out and but the good news when I did was also at the end of, of another massive time in my life where when you're meant to do something and you don't listen properly uh, I was being told you have to leave your partner you have to leave this you have to do that and a part of me is going like no no I love my partner I'm not leaving and of course within six six to twelve months I had lost the use of my legs um my partner and I had broken up uh, I had to you know lost my home uh it was just such a, it was such a colossal wipeout um, that I ended up standing there with nothing and yet I was now in this incredible position to create whatever I wanted mm. from that space. And I was actually off and running. <laughs> I was just off and running. <laughs> wow. Wow. You're so right when we just we just have to listen to the signs and if we don't, the signs will come up in another way or another. If you've got a job to do and you're not listening, the universe will rattle that cage big time. Like you, it will make sure you do it. Mm, wow, wow. So, so you, you went, you came out of the closet. And <laughs> um, so how are you now helping women as a spiritual mentor and teacher? Yeah, well, dharma, dharma. I think it's a, it's a missing component. It's a really cute word. You know, you might go to a yoga class and hear the word dharma, and and might be put off because. Uh, you know, you don't want to think you have to have dreadlocks and drink chai, but um, <laughs> which I think chai is nectar of the universe. I make it every day. Uh, but I really, I really 
forget the importance of purpose. Mm -hmm. And I know that's bandied around everywhere, but I think that you will learn quicker and you will integrate the teaching. Remember, it's all about integrating spirituality, not learning spirituality mm. as such. <laughs> um, you have to own it and experience it. And, you, and the only way is to really work out what am I here for and what do I need to, to pull this off and who am I being? So in a way, I call it like spiritual branding and I wish I could find another word, but it's like if you can step up as all of you, all of you, and remember that you are you are more than what you can touch, smell, feel, touch, you know, all these things. Uh, and you are this glorious divine being. And if you can just learn how to be that and in all moments, you're going to get there. So that's what I help them with. I love that. It's so true. Like, there's so many people out there in this world that are just – you know, they're just following certain strategies or rules on how things need to be done. But really, the answers lie within. You are your own yes. brand. You are your own, we could say, universe almost. We, we have the tools within yeah. us. Yeah. And you are your own. You are your, you are as a soul. A soul is purely an individual massive consciousness. Mm. That is all. Um, so that's the individualized part and due to your karmas and whatever you have to experience that like you're born through a certain family, you're born in a particular country, you have your life thing is really already mapped out. Um, the only part of free will is that ability to make choice and to go for what's going to make you expanded or what's going to keep you contracted or in the same place. And that's pretty much where wisdom work comes in, you know, the ability to discern in the moment and, and where to move and will this, is this good for my soul, no matter how challenging it is. Like it just becomes day to day, moment to moment. Yeah. Wow. I just found that's amazing because like so many women need that help, like just knowing how to be themselves. <laughs> oh my God. And to, and to find their voice. Like when I first stepped out, I had, I had colossal level of knowledge because I'd studied uh, all these, like, scriptures and philosophies and everything, like this colossal, and I would just go out like this sort of crazy brainiac, and I was wondering, oh, why, is, why are they doing the work? <laughs> like, what's wrong with people? What do they want? Uh, it did take about 18 months to realise I was still in ashram language. <laughs> I was so used to communicating with people who had done that kind of work for so long um, that I got beaten down lovingly. <laughs> and uh, but I found that I would start with a constructive kind of a yoga approach because yoga mm -hmm. just means unity with God, you know, union. What the practices to unite with the divine. Uh, but I found that the most important skill I had is what's called self inquiry, mm -hmm. and self inquiry is a wisdom technique. Uh, when you come from an Eastern philosophy, you understand that you can't work on just one center. So one of the main fundamental, my fundamental teaching is big mind, big heart, big doing or being because you have to work on the wisdom, you have to work on opening on the love and devotion and you have to be of service to humanity and that's spiritual in a nutshell and taking any part out of that is just going to slow down the process. Um, but these women, you know, self-inquiry, uses language in a homeopathic kind of a manner. So it, it's it's like it's 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 moving inside and seeing what's going on in the inner world and helping them understand awareness mm. and being the witness. And that's 
been the most profound work I've found. And now I'm actually training them up to be facilitators in, in self-inquiry, my 12-month course. Um, so, yeah, I found that they, they want empowerment more than anything. They just want to feel empowered and also to get rid of all these concepts. So, like, suddenly there's this thing of you've got to be a goddess or a high priestess or all this stuff. And, like, that's also, oh, fuck, no, I'm sorry. What am I? <laughs> but it's true. I know it's dreadful, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but it's like they're just absolutely like, oh, am I supposed to be doing, am I build, meant to be building my intuition or am I meant to be going and doing a menstrual circle on Friday night? So am I meant to be going and doing these things? And, and it was somehow still turned it into this crazy no, it's always going to be the same. It will never change. Mm. It's about purely about us. All that other stuff is just, it's just fun, you know. <laughs> um, it, it, it's about us. And it's, it's like I said, you have to work on how you, how you hold the universe in your, do you hold, do you understand mm. that you have the cosmos in your third eye? Like Shiva who's the divine from Shiva is in your third eye. Do you understand that while you're doing all that doesn't mean you're nice to your neighbour? Like all the traditional things are the fundamental basis of spirituality. I say to people, spirituality doesn't mean spirits. It doesn't mean spirits. It is how you live and hold yourself and what is the level of God consciousness, awareness. Yeah. That's it. I find what's really interesting is if when you're in the car, and if, say, for example, like an elderly woman's walking really slowly across the road and the person that's driving kind of reacts, then I'm like, hmm, they're still not imbalanced. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's so true. And there's this other thing that I really, like I write about in my book that's really fundamental as well, is this, the highest level of awareness of, of being on this planet is called Sahaja Samadhi. Mm. So that's freedom in your natural state. Mm. So there's a lot of this stuff that we have to transform 100% our natures and become something. And yet it's not. It's actually that you amplify and you you become this walking, generating machine of, we say, shakti, of bliss, of love, and you can yell at that person. <laughs> so it, it's like you are still fundamentally you, warts and all, but you become this tuning fork mm. for divine consciousness. So sometimes, I mean, living dharmically is doing no harm. That's one of the aspects and it's uh, one of the yogic principles, do no harm. So you would never want to scare that poor person crossing the road. Um, so that's not the right action. You're right, they'd be out. But <laughs> internally to sit there in the car and go, move it, woman. <laughs> that's part of your nature. And you can do that with love. So... Um, one of the my chapters is talking about spiritual concepts and how sometimes they can actually hold us back from liberation mm -hmm. because it really is appealing back. It's not an achieving anything. Yeah, that's so true. And I feel a lot of women have a lot of layers to like unpeel. It's like the social, the cultural, the religious, the the the, oh. uh, the family, the friends, everything. It's all that peeling, years of peeling off <laughs> to really discover who you re truly are and who yes. you were created to in this world. Exactly, exactly. And then having the courage to act from that space is the biggest hurdle. Yeah, I, there was something that just came up for me, actually. <laughs> um, would you say that a lot of women who are going through their spiritual journey right now um, feel a lot of tiredness or they're a bit conflicted because... <laughs> 
they're living from like alpha male energy or like from the olden days energy of like they need to work like a man they need to behave like a man to be successful so actually they're depleting their energy versus paying attention to their female energy if that makes sense <laughs> it's very good point and this, people explain it in so many different ways but we are definitely in the era of you know the feminine energy and it's a transition period mm. and we don't know what the hell that is it's been it's not that that you know people say oh it's never happened well it has there has been a time when males and females the male masculine and feminine i don't want to use gender yeah masculine and feminine is just an energy mm. and um different types of energy and they need to be balanced and there have been moments in history when that has happened it was really only honestly around that it wasn't it was after the birth of christ you know he's got nothing to do with it it was honestly around about the fifth or sixth century it started to change um and suddenly and this is a big bugbear for me suddenly women who were equal in community who were able you know women were priests already or women were um holy workers and things like that suddenly we had that stripped away from us um and we could do just the same rites of passage as men uh but yeah i think a where we are exhausted and, and i think that's because there is a new way of being the old way the masculine push 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 and that we're having to refine that i'm quite sure um, and we've got our predecessors who had to become more masculine just to break through mm. on our behalf. So they had to take on this masculine way um, to beat beat that head on, and yet that no longer is called for. So we've got female role models who are really masculine. <laughs> and uh, I, I, me being entrepreneurial by nature, I, I can't help it's my way of being and that's how I'm approaching spirituality because I want spirituality to clean itself up and I need spirituality to become accountable. Like um, to there's no regulatory system. Mm. How can you? There's something like that. So I think it needs a model but a, a really healthy model and if you're working with Dharma or what's your purpose in life, then why not live from it? So I tend to really love entrepreneurial people um, but I noticed – when I first stepped out, I had all this energy, but after a year I was absolutely wiped out because there was still the hustle mentality. There's still this, you got to work big hours, you got to push, 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 and the universe won't let me do that. It's saying, honey, we didn't give you all this training. You go out and start becoming a part of the world like that. What the hell are you doing? So uh, one of the ways to pull us back and to have to draw into our receptive in nature is is actually we get exhausted mm. um but at the same time exhaustion can also be a mindset issue because we are so overloaded and bombarded with anything from responsibilities to just pollution and toxins in, in our environment and that they are exhausting and we're not really great at i'm also a chef i was head chef at the ashram so um uh, i had to learn things like rest days like we don't do sabbath anymore we are on the go seven days a week and we don't fast uh, traditionally sunday sabbath was a day of fasting and you have your family meal and yeah we don't rest the body and we don't rest our digestive system our immune systems and so we're paying a price across the board wow Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I never thought of it in that way. 
we are meant to rest. We are meant to, to rest and restore and we don't do it. Yeah, that's so true. It's it's so interesting what you're saying about like how you yourself before, like sometimes that hustle mentality would come in. I was the same as well. Like when I'd gone from like, the starting point in 2012, I was like, right, I'm creating my business and I just kept pushing and then suddenly it got, my, my sleep went from nine hours to three hours sleep every day. and then about three years ago the universe showed me that you know you need to stop that you need to create the balance and um it's through having a kidney problem that actually made me realize how fatigued I was and how much sleep I needed and it really taught me what I needed to know right now and that you know like you said you have to have you time you've got to have you know you've got to have those baths like you know and just have your day off like you said and just just embrace it and not feel guilty I think that's where a lot of women feel guilty that you know they need to be a mom they need to look after everyone else but they don't really look after themselves as much oh totally totally we put ourselves last always yeah yeah always looking after everyone else and and when you think about traditional spirituality whether you're a cult or whether you're pagan or whether you're Christian I don't care it's all male dominated, the whole lot. So everything, all the techniques and all the things they've written, they don't understand menstruation. They don't understand <laughs> pregnancy. <laughs> they don't understand lactating or, or, you know, menopause and all these fantastic things that are, are, are written into women. And so that that's not taken into account. We're not even shown. Mm. No, we don't know anymore what they mean or, or how to incorporate them. Yeah, and in some cultures, like, I, oh, gosh, this was many years ago. It's going to sound ridiculous, but I was I used to teach a lot of young people a few years back, and one of the young girls actually spoke to me, and she was like, said, Miss, um, am I supposed to stay in my bedroom when I'm menstruating? And I said, what do you mean? She goes, um, my, my dad and mum don't allow me to come down because they think it's wrong. And I was like, oh, my God, you're, like, you're a 13-year-old young girl. Like, you're supposed to be embracing you're, you know, you, they should be making you feel happy that you've got your, you know, menstruation and, you know, embrace your womanhood. Instead, she was made to feel ashamed. It was sh- oh, yeah. I, I've met many a family in India where um, for the, whoever's menstruating is not allowed to join the family meals. They're not allowed to sit with the family. Um, they have to go and cook for themselves. They're not allowed oh. to touch anything. They have to clean up. Like, oh. it, I know, it's absolutely crazy and, and um you know, the guy will not eat from his wife's hand either. Like, he'll go out and get dinner and she she can only cook for herself and she never gets to go out. She never gets a meal out. Like, oh, you just sit there, oh, what century are we in? Yeah. Are you kidding? It's almost yeah. like we've gone to, like, the 13th century or something. <laughs> and then they're not allowed even in the temple. They're not allowed in a place of worship because it's considered impure, whatever. You know, whatever it is ridiculous it is ridiculous yeah. i agree with that and that's why we need more empowered women to shift that energy and make them realize that we need to embrace and love and accept ourselves regardless of what anyone's opinions are absolutely yeah um, absolutely <laughs> so, oh my, God. so my dear i wanted to talk to you i forgot about this actually i want to talk to you about the she monk yes tell us more about it okay <laughs> So the she monk is a bit tongue-in-cheek is because, as you know, I got to that, that crossroads. It was like, do I become a monk? Uh, you know, what am I, what the hell am I stepping, what the hell am I stepping out at? And uh, I thought, but I want to laugh because I am a monk, really. I, I, I've done the time. I have that level of understanding and knowledge. 
and yet I want to fully embrace the world. And one day I just shot out of my mouth and I said, I'm a she-monk. And uh, I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful? Who wouldn't want to be like the Dalai Lama? Who wouldn't want to to have that level of humility and and humour and compassion and and peace? And he's as grumpy as hell as well. You know, you get him in his home environment, he's cranky as. And I thought... He totally represents Sahaja Samadhi, that being free as you are. But he, he, and he engages in the world. But you can see as he's engaging in the world, he's his own sovereign. He's his own being. And so that's what I wanted for the she monks. So I train, I train she monks, which is quite funny. And, and you know, in time, I'm sure, I don't know if it'll merge into something. I might find a better expression of that. But, um, yeah, it's someone who really wants that level of spiritual beingness mm. but also to function very well in the world. That's a she monk. And he did a couple of really great quotes, which I know a lot of people have heard, but they at the time came out and were really impactful. And the first one was the Western woman will heal the world. Yeah. And, yeah, and I know I know that's been around, but that really, when I heard him say that, it was like, well, of course she will. Look at the fight she has done for her own freedom. Look how far she has come. And, and I know the rest of the world loves bagging the West, but if, if the West is so incredibly powerful. If it's used properly, it's a force for good. And uh, women who aren't trapped in the masculine way can do so much good for this earth and the second thing he said was was that really profoundly hit me probably bigger uh was that he's pulling his monks out of the monasteries and sending them off because they are no longer useful to the world in a monastery Mm. and here i was in this kind of environment uh, where the goal was monastic life or you become a wife. I mean, that was really the only choice you had and that was just not that was not acceptable to me. Um, so it was like if he's pulling his monks out and he's saying, guys, you are so sheltered from this world and, and people are no longer going to monasteries to, to worship and to um, do pilgrimage and things like that. Like it's changed. The world has changed like that. Um, people are pilgrims, which I... I think it's actually kind of sad um, mm. because I'm a pilgrim and I love going on pilgrimage. It's a, it's a wonderful experience. But so these guys were of more use out there in the world, really learning what people are going through and helping them find solutions. So that's another thing. Shimon really is, is all about compassion and finding and understanding suffering and how to help people through that. It's kind of like grassroots spirituality. Mm. I love that because, like you said, there's so many men who, well, we think when we hear a monk, we think of a man. We never really think of a woman. Whereas the she monk, it's like, well, you can be like that as well. And you can, you have your own place in this world as well to be a monk. And it's silly that we have to think of a term that it's just for men, but (laughs) like it should be for both. And it's funny because guys, guys are jealous and they say to me, oh, I want to be a he monk. And I go, and I say, idiot, that's a monk. You just go and become a monk. <laughs> so I go, oh. so, so I had some guys enroll, and I call them a bro monk just because it has to be funny. Like you have to take yourself lightly, and they do. They they sign up. It's incredible. That's so funny. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think it's so powerful. I think definitely when I first heard you say the word she monk, I was like, oh yeah, I never really thought about that. Like we're all monks in our own way. We just 
just yes. assume from some somewhere that it was just men, but actually we can all be that. We're all from the same we're from the same energy, divine's energy. Yes. So we're all here yep. to do the same kind of work in the world. That's right. And I, I know that when you do that kind of work, all the other little bits and pieces, you become that goddess. You become mm. psychic intuitive. You become all these other things. And so many people, I mean, and I really want to stress this point, they think being psychic is spiritual and it has nothing to do with spirituality at all. Mm. It is a spiritual gift. Mm. And it is, it is a um, side effect of doing the work. You become psychic. But it's it's that's as far as it goes. You don't need to be psychic to be spiritual. And not all psychic people use their work for good either. Mm. And to, to determine the future isn't actually being present. So it's not even being like fundamentally spiritual. So I yeah, I get that a lot. When I stepped out, people say, Oh, will you read my cards for me? <laughs> what? It was a real shock when I came out. And how has this happened? How has this happened? Uh, that spirituality has become card reading and manifesting are the two big things I discovered out there in the world. And I went, Oh my god, we have gone off course. We 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 have strayed big time. So I'm kind of like this passionate, uh, I'm not conservative, but I guess spiritually I am. I'm like this passionate voice, like let's just get back to what absolutely matters and um, flip cards or don't flip cards, it doesn't matter, but it doesn't, it's not the way forward. And 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 they, in all of the big, all the big faiths say, and it's true, that there comes a point where you have to non-identify. Mm. So uh, if you identify as anything, then you're not going to cross over. It's only in the letting go. It's only in that um, not being, yeah, identified, not holding on, not having the concepts that you get to where you want to go. So it all has to go, psychic powers included. Uh, And um, so the irony is, though, when you just do the work, you get everything you want. And that's what I love about the monk thing. It's so comprehensive. You really do need to have an awareness and understanding of uh, philosophy and and the differences because there's so much out there people don't know what's what's right for them mm. it has to be you there's not one size fits all thing you have a particular spiritual personality what is going to what's the practice that's going to enhance that and it's why some people can't do mindfulness it's like mm. why some people can't do you know there's, there's all sorts of different re- the amount of times people say I can't meditate it's like well actually you can it's just you haven't found a what your style is and the right meditation to match that that's so interesting you said that because I think it was it was sometime like last year we um we had David G on the show um and David G was saying like when he first ever learned about um meditation the teacher at the time like would hit them with like some feather thing or something and he was like this is not right and the guy was like I know better because I'm an expert and he was like no I'll find my own way and I think that's the key that some of us think that we need those things or we need to follow the way that person's telling us but we have to find our own way you have to find your own way and yet at the same time once you find the thing that suits you, nothing is going to 100% suit you yeah. uh, and that's that's part of the setup. Uh, certainly I, after with my background, t- try, try hitting me with a feather, see how far you go. You're like, it's not, that ain't going to be my way. Um, and so, yeah, Zen isn't my way even though I love the philosophies because Zazen, they do sometimes walk around and, and hit you with <laughs> objects. Um, but 
you will only get to the desired place when you dig a deep hole to hit gold. So when we keep trying lots of things, we're digging a lot of shallow holes and and you can wear beads, you can wear robes, you can dye your hair, you can wear white, you can do whatever, I don't care. But if you're digging a lot of shallow holes, it's going to take another couple of lifetimes. So eventually you're going to have to find that one thing and learn how to handle the aspects of it that you can't stand because that's part of the journey. It is just part of it. You have to learn how to handle things you don't like. So where do I fit with this? How do I hold myself in this? I don't like what that person is doing. I don't. I, and at the ashram, I didn't particularly like all of the community just because we're all like mine. It didn't mean as personalities we all liked each other. Uh, it was really hard at times, and particularly when I'm running a kitchen and I had to deal with highly dysfunctional people. So I used to look at it. it was my judgment it was like you are so bloody dysfunctional. How is Cook, I've got 500 people coming for lunch and you've given me 10 absolute, you've given me like accountants. Like, why did you give me these people? And so it, it is part of building the, the resilience and wisdom is, is how to handle, you know, I think it's the Buddha that always says your enemy is your greatest teacher. So, and that's finding a system, digging deep, hitting gold, part of that's going to have to include doing things you don't like or how do I hold myself when I'm around things that I don't like? Mm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Um, my dear, we are coming towards the end of the show. It's gone so quickly. I've got a few more questions left. Um, what, are you, what, what are your five top tips for someone who is currently going through a spiritual dip at the moment? What can they do? Know that there's no such thing. That they are grace personified. So they're just somehow too identified with the body or too identified with the world. So I would say always meditate uh, and and don't worry if you're not dancing with Ganesha in the sky while you're meditating. It's about learning who you are. It's about um, finding your own self-awareness and, and starting to understand what happens in your inner world. Uh, I also, I mean, it's all about grace. So find it. So find a teacher who's established in themselves, who's enlightened or you know, self-realized or whatever, and go find them, read their books, sit with them, go to holy places. Uh, anything that's ignite the Shakti. Uh, you know, go to a really great yoga teacher and get that Kundalini like going through movement and um, yeah, go on a spiritual retreat somewhere. But active, be active. Be active. Just do something and just understand that grace is this magnificent bliss aspect it is the universe it is it is undefinable it is unable to be shoved into formulas no it's not the law of attraction this is just grace and you have as much as the Dalai Lama as Mother Teresa as Deepak Chopra all those people they're just probably a bit further down the line in their work and in their level of understanding but you are all that all the time just remember you are divine. Use self-inquiry. Self-inquiry uses language to take you from the mundane to the divine. So, you know, just start with I'm here and I'm feeling like crap and then move your language to while I'm feeling crap, I'm God feeling crap. And then you start to instantly expand and feel better. So do whatever it takes to expand your feeling and just know that whenever you're in that beautiful, wide, expansive state, you are experiencing the divine. Mm. That is all. That's beautiful. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they were amazing five top tips. Thank you for that. What are you most grateful for? 
life, mm-hmm. life. Uh, you know, my spiritual evolution has been a, a, enormous in this life and that has come with a lot of trials and tribulations. Uh, but I have a human spirit that's in alignment with, with spirit mm-hmm. and uh, that has come from everything and I, I sit in awe and reverence of how extraordinary the journey is when you, when you just surrender to it and let it do its thing. And, yeah, so I just I think the process is extraordinary. Thank you. <laughs> and my last one is, what shines your inner light? My inner light just shines. There's, mm. it's, more, it's more like what dulls my inner light. Um, mm. So uh, I'm, always, I'm always lit. The only thing is, is my curtain open or is it closed for the world to see? So that would be my mind. Mm. Is my mind in a state of peace and calm? Or is my mind agitated or am I down? So how do I open my curtain and let that light out and the light in? Wow. I love that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> thank you, Sally, for being on the show. And thank you. Thank you. For just- oh, thank you so much, darling. It was wonderful. We can chat like that anytime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, that was just amazing. And just... Thank you for doing what you're doing in this world because we need so many more women like yourself in this world, just empowering women to just be their true self and just believe in themselves and that, you know, we have the guidance within. We just sometimes need help from others and just trust in that process. Yeah, get the guidance to find your own guidance and then you're off you're off and running. But, yeah, think creating really good quality spiritual female leaders is my thing and I think I really do believe in an enlightened society and it has to happen one person at a time discovering who they are and falling in love with that the grotty the messy the beautiful the gnarly the whole lot yeah thank you beautiful for helping share that message (laughs) (laughs) my pleasure my lovely what a great interview with Sally it's just so insightful and inspiring to hear somebody who has been in an ashram and understands the the power of inner peace and just trusting that inner wisdom from within for more information about the show or about sally visit www.girdshandle.com unfortunately that's the end of the show before i leave i want to leave you with this quote deep within she is attuned to his love intoxicated with delight Her enemies and sufferings are all taken away. That's a quote by Guru Nanak. And remember, stay happy, stay healthy, stay lit. Lit.